0: Coming up on today's Thomas Guide, we've got polls, of course. Melania Trump's approval ratings are skyrocketing. I'll tell you why. Um, Infrastructure spending, people's thoughts on Trump's budget proposals. A little bit of me on CNN last night. WikiLeaks. We've got Guy Adami and and a general from the U.S. military joining us. Stay tuned.
1: This is the Thomas Guide. Your roadmap for navigating the world with your guide, John Thomas. Political savant, world-class analyst, and culture critic. No need to Google directions. Just buckle up and enjoy the ride. This is
0: The Thomas Guide with your host, John Thomas. Welcome back to The Thomas Guide. Another week. God, there's been so much news. Um, where, where do we start? Um, there's new polling, and I like to go through polling every week uh, and kind of break down what I think are the important numbers uh, to watch for emerging trends and all of that. But to, on today's show, here's what we're going to cover. Uh, we're going to start with polling news and what American people uh, think about Trump's infrastructure spending plan, his military budget plan. Uh, Melania Trump's approval ratings are skyrocketing. I'll tell you why. Uh, we're going to roll through Obamacare, the Obamacare re- repeal plan. Um, there's a lot of uh, um, pushing back from Republicans within within our own party on that. I'm going to tell you what's likely to happen. Why Trump is unwilling to call it Trump Care. Uh, is that a smart thing? And of course. I'll tell you in a John's Crystal Ball moment whether or not Trump care or this new health care replacement will pass. We're going to get deep into WikiLeaks, the major WikiLeak bombshell that dropped this week, what that means, and how it ties to leaks in general that Donald Trump has been worried about. The latest on Obama's wiretapping uh, scandal. We've got CNBC's fast money guy Adami will be joining us on the show to talk about business the stock market, jobs, and he's just an all-around great guy. Uh, and we have a uh, Ar- Army General uh, Tata, I believe it's, it's Tata, um, he's going to be joining us as well. Uh, he was the general in Afghanistan, he's also an author, tell us about his new book, and of course, we'll close up the show, I've got a surprise to tell you guys about, a special arrival that's on the way, I can't wait to share that with you. But let's get right into it. CNN just released a poll this week and they asked a bunch of questions, but I'll just cut to the, the meat of it. Um, first is, uh, relating to Trump's budget proposals. Uh, 54% of respondents say that the Trump's budget proposal will do more to help the rich, um, than the poor, in uh, the middle class. 35% of respondents say it'll help the middle class, uh, the most. Um, This should give the Trump administration some pause Uh, that out of the gate, uh, half of Americans believe that Trump's budget is not going to be helping them because majority of Americans are middle class. So uh, that means that if you're Trump's administration, you have to look at this and go, all right, we have to repackage and rebrand this budget proposal to focus on uh, what the tax cuts are for the middle class how job growth helps the middle class um, and focus on the popular elements of their budget proposal. For instance, um, 84% of respondents uh, approve or or, um, like Trump's tax cuts for the middle class. So really focus on that and flesh that out so that people understand that. Uh, The other is 79% 79% of Americans favor his infrastructure spending plan, which is fairly populist. Uh, so, if I were Trump's advisors, I would be telling him, focus on those two things. Now, here's an, uh, another worry 61% of Americans disapprove of funding for a border wall uh, with Mexico using our budget. So, that presents a challenge. So, that means the Trump administration needs to explain how Americans aren't going to be on the hook for the wall if, in fact, that's the case. They need to get out in front of that issue. Um, and uh, and the other interesting thing about this survey was 70% of Republicans say they support each of the five budget line proposals, uh, while only uh, um, two of Trump's five proposals that he's made are, have any support from Democrats. That's the... Uh, Middle class tax cuts and the infrastructure spending. So, you know, the, the interesting thing here is it does break down partisan lines, but everyone agrees with middle tax, uh, middle tax, uh, middle class tax cuts. Um, and you, if I were the Trump people, I would also look at uh, uh, where independents are on these issues. They actually independents see more eye to eye with the Republicans on these things. Uh, the issue is February had. Tremendous job numbers. Um, I think it was double the amount of new jobs that we saw last year in February. I think it's 200,000 and, and uh, this month, and it was 100,000 last February. Trump should be spending all of his time talking about that and what he's doing for the American worker instead of sideshows like uh, wiretapping and other things. So... Um, that's what he has to do, and as a political strategist and communications professional, this is how we look at polls. Uh, it's interesting to learn what people like or don't like. That's interesting. But it really, the actionable side of it is is looking in polling numbers for places of caution. You know, where can we shore up support? Where are we weak? And that's where I'd look at the CNN poll. The other thing to remember for most of these polls at this stage in the game. Uh, we're still, you know, a ways away from the midterm elections. Um, we're far away from from 2020. However, uh, it's not too early to start thinking about this. And so when you look at these CNN polls, for instance, they are not polling likely voter universes for the midterm elections or 2020. They are polling a representative sample of the US population. So if you're in the Trump White House, you don't want to obsess over gen pop numbers too much. It's an interesting thing. It'd be great if you had general population approval for everything you're trying to do. Uh, But you really need to be more worried about what does that likely voter model look like in uh, 2018 and what do they think of these proposals? Generally, the midterm elections skew more Republican in terms of voter turnout model. My hunch is if you look, if you dig through these cross tabs in this CNN poll, you found that, like I said, 70% of Republicans say they support all of Trump's budget budget proposals. So at 70 cent cent approvals, um, I think where you need to focus on is more that independent, figuring out of those independents that are likely voters, what do they think and where's the lowest hanging fruit that you can lift up? Uh, That's how the Trump administration has to look at this uh, because otherwise- Gen pop doesn't matter if they can't vote or they're not going to vote. It is irrelevant as far as as far as a uh, White House really should be concerned. All right. Last uh, last poll I'd like to go through a little more trivial, but but interesting nonetheless. Uh, Melania Trump's approval ratings, according to this CNN poll, have shot up. They've shot up 16 points since President Trump was sworn in. Fifty two percent of Americans have a favorable opinion Of Melania Trump. Uh, That's an increase uh, from uh, where she was at 36%. Now she's at 52%. Now, 32% of respondents have an unfavorable view of her, but just remember that's identical to the 31% that had an unfavorable view of her before the inauguration. So, how did she grow? Uh, More Republicans came to the fold. I believe it has 86% of Republicans viewing the first lady favorable, but also uh, Independents have started to break uh, for favorably for Mrs. Trump or first lady Trump. Uh, so th- that that's what you want to pay attention here. This this is fascinating uh, to me because the first ladies tend to be popular than their husbands. Um, and that makes sense they stay out of the nitty gritty of politics. Uh, Melania Trump's approvals are interesting because she doesn't speak a lot. Um, you know, she's really spent all of her time with her youngest son, Barron and out of the public eye, except for she looks great when she shows up to speeches. And I think she did give her a remark at the, the women's day celebration yesterday, but by and large, she's nowhere near as political as uh, Laura Bush or Michelle Obama. Um, but uh, uh, it's fascinating to see that her approval ratings are skyrocketing nonetheless. What I would like to see, and we'll see if we can find this next week for the Thomas Guide, is what are Ivanka Trump's numbers? What what do those look like? Um, I have a feeling that Ivanka Trump outpolls Melania Trump, but I could be wrong because she probably polls from younger, more educated voters as well as the Republican base. But that's a hunch. We'll get to the bottom of it. If it's been polled, we'll we'll find it. Uh, moving along, so we just covered, obviously, the latest polls, as we like to do every week. Uh, I'm going to get into the Obamacare repeal and what all that means. We're going to talk a little bit about major news on the immigration front. We're going to break down the WikiLeaks, the latest with that. We've got, obviously, Guy Adami's coming up, uh, General Tata. But last night I was on CNN for a few hours, and... We were covering the topic that a lot of people were discussing, which is why is it that the Trump administration will n- refuses to call Trump's health care proposal Trump care when standard, but usually it is called the take the president's name or the founder's name add care on it. Hillary care, Romney care, Obamacare. Um, why is it that they're avoiding that? Here's what I had to say on CNN last night.
2: The plan to replace Obamacare—it's uh, not going too well. The president, amid all of this controversy, he's struggling to win over members of his own party, the Republican Party. Um, but just don't call it Trump Care. <laughs> I'll
0: call it—I'll call it Trump Care
1: if you want to. But I don't—I didn't hear uh, President Trump say to any of us, "Hey, I want my name on that." We're happy it's the American Health Care Act. This is serious stuff. This isn't about branding according to someone's name.
0: This is serious business.
2: Uh, Mo, to you, for a guy who puts his name on practically everything, uh, from steaks to vodka to aeroplanes, why doesn't he want his name on this dog of a plan? Oh, sorry, this uh, healthcare plan. I'll
3: <laughs> well, well, put it this way. Uh, you break it, you bought it. They're trying to break it, but they have bought it because they won the election. They had seven years to get a reasonable replacement. We only saw the first draft last week, and now not everyone is coalescing behind this plan. And to your point you made some time ago, they should be talking about the job numbers, which is actually a positive, yeah. but instead they're fighting for this health care plan and also trying to fight off the wiretapping claims.
0: Look, when President Trump took the oath of office, he's the president for America to make America great again. It's This is not a branding opportunity for him, so it's no surprise he doesn't want his name on this legislation or any legislation for that matter. Mm. And this process is messy. It doesn't matter whether you're Republican or Democrat. I like the idea that my party has competition of ideas mm. and just doesn't have groupthink. I think it'll end up in a better outcome at the end of the day. Move, move. So there's there's what I had to say on that. I, I think the other thing I wasn't able to say last night that I that I'll say now is putting your name on a health care plan gives it it, it it brands it and fashions it in such a way as if the government is doing you a favor by providing you healthcare when actually Republicans believe is that it's the opposite, that the private sector should be providing the solutions. The government needs to get out of the way so that healthcare providers and insurance companies can compete for you, the consumer's business. It doesn't make sense to put anyone's name on a healthcare framework. It just doesn't make sense. Unless of course it's single payer. If it's single payer, then, yeah, the guy who authored the plan, you might as or woman, you might as well put their name on it and they need to own that. But in this case, Trump is trying to return healthcare privileges to the people in an open marketplace. I fully support it. He's doing the right thing at this point. Um, we've got a second clip in relation to whether or not uh, I think the healthcare bill will pass go ahead and roll the clip. I asked you this very
4: quickly: with the president's credibility slipping, should we say, with these White claims, how much,
0: how much impact or influences the bully pulpit? have right now as he tries to whip republicans you know basically. i mean it still does i mean remember a trump can destroy your career with a tweet or, or nickname. so he still has a lot of power there look this process is always messy i don't care republican or democrat and i'm pleased to see the competition of ideas within my own party i'm sure it'll, it'll result in a better outcome but it better result in an outcome okay, right yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's the
2: case. And, and the clock is ticking so
0: i think it's healthy to have competition uh I think the mainstream media is completely blowing it on this front to say that, oh, it's chaotic and the Republicans are turning against Trump on this. This is how legislation has been made. Now, it is always made. Now, maybe this process is a little more public because all of us are interested in the the Trump drama um, and what's going on. In in fact, in the CNN poll we covered earlier, it, it said that, uh, Almost 60% of Americans report that they actively, t- uh, like they're excited to talk about um, politics with their family and friends regularly. That's up more than 20% from a year ago. So uh, I think more people are interested in it. So it's a little more public, the process. But you can go to any state house in America, and this is how the sausage is made. The governor. Or uh, the speaker puts out a plan and it gets beat up. This is not unusual. Now, why is Rand Paul? Why are Rand Paul and other Republicans griping publicly? Uh, is it a perfect plan? No, not not at all. Um, would Rand Paul like to see it differently? Yes. But what's really going on? He's positioning as a pure Republican purity test for uh, a primary uh, in 2020. Or you know, he's all these Republicans are jockeying because they want to be in the spotlight, just like Democrats are jockeying to be the definitive uh, anti-Trump go-to person for the party. That's what we're seeing here. So it's more politics than it is actually caring about the legislation. But there is a little bit of that as well. And just today, uh, I believe the repeal plan got out of committee and is going to be going to a vote on the House. I anticipate that it will pass and then be confirmed by the Senate. Moving along, uh, immigration. There's significant news on the immigration front that I don't think is getting much coverage. Um, And what we're seeing is uh, Secretary of Homeland Security John Kelly announced yesterday that there is a 40% drop in illegal border crossings in February uh, nationally, which is a, a, a significant, uh, it is a, a dramatic decrease, uh, that breaks nearly a 20 year trend of increases. Now, why? Well, it's speculation at this point. We don't know exactly why, except for the only thing people can point to at this point is that Donald Trump's tough talk on immigration and deporting people and enforcing our laws is scaring people and having illegal immigrants or potential illegal immigrants think twice before they break our laws. Look, I think there's truth to that. Uh, President's words have impact. Uh, This is one of them, just like you're seeing the stock market rally, uh, new jobs are being created. Uh, And it's not because Trump's passed any legislation, but he's working... He's supportive of job creators. And I think it's the same thing here. The wall hasn't even gone up and it's already having the impact. Bravo, Mr. Trump. Good work. All right. Uh, getting into the latest on on WikiLeaks and uh, uh, the wiretapping claims that we covered. Uh, I believe we covered it last week. Um... But this week, if you didn't catch it, I mean, there was a big WikiLeak dump by. Uh, they're they're calling it uh, the biggest thing, big, bigger than Snowden potentially. And what we saw in this uh, leak from the uh, FBI um, or, or or within the FBI is that the level of spying capabilities that the federal government has on its own citizens, and quite frankly, anybody, is scary stuff. They have hacks to break into your iPhone, to break into your Android. If you use that WhatsApp app, that, communic- that texting application, uh, I believe Facebook owns it. The reason so many people used WhatsApp is because it's famous for being encrypted and unhackable from point to point, that the federal government, even if they got a hold of it, they couldn't decrypt it. In fact, terrorists are known to use WhatsApp uh, internationally, except for in these documents, it looks like the federal government has now come up with an exploit so that they can get into the message before it's encrypted. Uh, They also can use your smart TV to listen into your room and spy on you that way. The other thing is uh, they, they it was revealed that they have exploits to cause your car to hack into your car and cause it to malfunction and crash and look like it was simply a malfunction rather than an, uh, an actual uh, assassination. Um, bad stuff. I mean, the other thing is, uh, in terms of cybersecurity we saw, is that the federal government has the ability to hack, do hacking or, or you know, uh, break into another government and leave somebody else's fingerprints uh, behind, so for instance, they could hack China, and then leave. Ru- it would appear as if Russia did the hacking if they wanted to make it do that way. Um, this is, I think, going to reignite the privacy conversation. Um, and all of this, let's not forget, was greenlit under the Obama administration over the last eight years. Um, this is a massive scandal. Uh, we'll see how it. Um, how it plays out. And Sean Spicer made a good point today. He said there's a a double standard in response to WikiLeaks because basically he's saying people were outraged uh, or not outraged uh, um, when Trump is calling for uh, going after the people who leaked this information. But people were outraged when WikiLeaks hacked John Podesta's personal email account um there's just a double standard here i think he's right it's a partisan thing but we need to put partisan politics aside on this issue it's important to get to the bottom of it and the fbi just announced yesterday that they've uh they've got a manhunt to hunt down the mole over who leaked these uh, secrets it'd be fascinating to see if they catch the guy uh my guess is that this the spying was done so it, we know it was done data collection from 2012 uh, to 2016. My guess is the guy's long gone. He's in another country uh, seeking asylum at this point. Uh, we, we've got a, a clip of me again on, on CNN as it relates to this wiretapping. Let's go ahead and roll, roll the clip.
3: This is among the very easiest allegations to investigate because it's simply a matter of putting those questions to people under oath uh, who would have been in position to know uh, and we should have all those persons uh, present on March 20th.
2: So so essentially, you have a situation with the FBI director James Comey turning up saying publicly what he's been saying privately. So, John, will the president take the FBI director's word at that hearing?
0: I mean, I believe he has to, uh, because at some point, if the president doesn't have evidence in his hands and the FBI director is saying that he didn't do it, you can't keep marching down this road. Mm. And Mo, it is worth pointing out that um, Director Comey said in public remarks on Wednesday in Boston College, "I've got another six and a half years in this position." You know, basically saying I'm not going anywhere. And so right. again, it begs the question: if the president continues down this road. What, what are we looking at here in terms of a fallout?
3: Well, taking a page out of John Thomas's book, this is an unconventional president. And we can say conventional wisdom would be you would draw back, pull back, but Donald Trump has, doesn't apologize, he doesn't pull back. So I'd expect him to go further down this path. He's not only doubled down, but he's tripled down. To the detriment of the party, so I think it's going to get worse before it gets better. Because this is a uh, this is an, uh, a self-imposed error. This is an unforced error. He's doing this all by himself.
0: Well, and the problem with this story is it's distracting from the robust job numbers that came mm-hmm. out in February. You know, he should be pushing that story, but instead we're talking about wiretapping.
2: Yeah, covers. if this. If the plan here from the president, as some have speculated, was to divert attention away from Jeff Sessions and the Russian connection, alleged Russian connection, to the Trump campaign, uh, John, it had the equivalent effect of pouring gasoline on a fire. Yeah, it did. It? I mean, and, and,
0: and that's why I don't believe it was intended to deflect, okay. uh, because look at look what's happened here. It hasn't been good for the situation. The Sessions fire was neutralized. The second Sessions said that he was recusing himself. Mm. That was done. Mm. Uh, there you have it. Uh, I think that's right. I don't think Trump, I, I do think Trump believes that the wiretapping in some capacity was real. Uh, other, otherwise, uh, um, I, I don't think this was an effective deflection strategy and he's smart enough to know that. Uh, so time will tell it's a put up or shut up time. Either he puts up the evidence himself, uh, or, uh, investigations, uh, uh, you know, Sessions could appoint a special, pro, uh, special investigator to, uh, interrogate these CIA people and see who authorized the original FISA warrant or, or who requested the original warrant from the White House that was rejected, why they request that warrant and just, you know, chase the paper and, and get to the bottom of it. Uh, now it's it's been released uh, on Politico that um, that Paul Manafort, Trump's former ex-campaign chairman, uh, is suspected of connections to uh, Russian intelligence. And he was wiretapped. So uh, the plot thickens. Um, it'll be fascinating to see how all of this plays out. I can tell you, I don't think Trump is going to drop this. Um, and for Trump's sake, there better be a there there. If there's not, uh, uh, this could really backfire. Backfire. On him. Uh, we've got on the line um, Guy Adami from CNBC's Fast Money. I'm sure you all have heard of him or have seen him. He's the one of the uh, original members of... Fast Money. He is currently a director of advisor advocacy at a a private advisor group in New Jersey. Um, Guy, can you hear me?
1: John, I can hear you. Can you hear me? I can
0: hear you perfectly. Thank you so much for joining us on the Thomas Guide.
1: Love being here, brother. It's great to be out there once again in California. My second time out there today, by the
0: way. way. Uh, Virtually, I assume. I, I, uh, Virtually, yeah. exactly. Well, uh, I'm a longtime fan. I've I've watched you nearly my entire life. So, uh, so nice that to makes
1: me feel really old. Yeah, bro. yeah.
0: <laughs> I'm one of those uh, annoying millennials. So nice to uh, nice to meet your acquaintance, uh, Guy. I want to get uh, your thoughts on a few things. Um, what do you think about the February job numbers that we're seeing? Is it too early to give President Trump credit for these numbers? And where, what do you think that's telling us of what the future holds?
1: Well, John, again, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. It's great to be with you and appreciate the kind words. And the answer to answer your question, of course, it's too early to be giving him credit because, as you know, I mean, jobs are backward looking and they're, they're a lagging indicator, as they say, in the business. But that won't stop President Trump from taking credit. As a matter of fact, if you look at a tweet tweet from yesterday or two days ago, I think he made a point of pointing out the ADP jobs reports. Mm-hmm. We've seen some incredible job gains over the last couple of months. Now, I think a lot of it is the optimism of small business with, with the president in office and people believing his fiscal stimulus is going to lead to a robust economy. But I got to tell you something. Um, it is way too early in the game to be taking victory laps and to be taking bows. You got to be careful. You know, he will go out and he has said a number of times, look at the stock market gains since I've been elected. And it is true. The market's done well, but I just worry that in a period of time when the market's not doing as well, he's certainly not going to take the blame for that. So who is he going to blame? And that's going to really be when the rubber hits the road, that's really when things will get interesting.
0: At what point do you think it's fair for a president in an incoming administration to own the economy?
1: Well, I think, well, that's another great question. I think you own the economy the day you walk in, right? This, I think it goes with the job. It's very easy to say it was the other guy left me a mess or, This guy left me, but the reality is when you sign up, when you put your name in that hat to be potentially elected president of the United States, you take everything that comes with it on day one in office. So I think the moment you walk in, you take ownership of that economy for better or for worse. Think about it this way. If you're an NFL coach, when you walk in day one, you take ownership of of that team, whether they just coming off a Super Bowl win or they just went two and 14, that's your team. So it doesn't do you any good to blame the other guy. You gotta take ownership on day one. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh guy, you're you're our our, uh, our wizard on the economy. So what is um what indicators should we be looking at to kind of cut through all the noise in the news these days, uh to to watch whether or not the economy's really turning around Wages. and picking up that's
1: a great listen. First of all, I'm no wizard. I mean I believe these <laughs> I see you I on TV,
0: five guy. Five you look like a wizard. So uh...
1: <laughs> Then you should know that I'm no wizard. But with that <laughs> said, I think the most important thing to look for is wage gains. If if we can start to see wages creep up, then I think we're on the right path. But if wages continue to lag, listen, obviously the job market's done very well over the last couple of years. I mean, that's undeniable. The numbers speak for themselves. But the commensurate gain in wages, have, have they haven't been there. And that's really, I think, what's holding things back. If wages can somehow catch up, and if that participation rate that's been stubbornly low now for a couple of years starts to pick up, I think those are the things that will say, you know what, the economy's on uh, on stronger footing. It's not it's not on as nebulous a path as as I think we're on. I happen to believe that a lot of the stock market gains we've seen over the last six or seven years have been large part due to Fed policy, and that's you know, without getting too wonky, mm-hmm. but I think the Fed is really behind all the things that are driving these market gains. As a matter of fact, I will go out on a limb and say I think the chasm between the stock market and the real economy is as wide as.
0: Go, it- all right. We lost him. We'll 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 get guy back. Um, technical challenges. Did our did your cell phone die or? Oh, we just, uh, must've been something I said. Let's see if we can get him back. We lost Guy Adami, but, uh, it's too bad. Cause he was, he was dropping a knowledge bomb on us. I'm sure we'll get him back in, in one second. Um, but, uh, oh, I, oh, I think we've, I think we've got him here. You there? Yeah, Guy, we lost you there. You were, you were, you were, uh, dropping a knowledge bomb on us. Go, go ahead. No. Did we lose you? Nothing. Oh. Well, let's see if we can get him back. I I uh I think his point about uh the Fed and Janet Yellen and, and interest rates, that actually was gonna be my my next question was what he thinks interest rates are gonna get to and when he when what impact that has on, on the economy. I'm, I'm actually, I hope we can get him back because I'm dying to hear him finish that thought. Oh, he's calling. Hi. Oh, it's a new We're a <laughs> Guy, ha- is that better? Can you hear me? I'm back. Oh my God. Okay, so you were finishing that you thought the Fed really is responsible for the... the, the yeah, market. and I
1: apologize for okay. the phone drop and I must be in some sort of dead zone. But okay. what I was saying was, and I, I'm I'm steadfast in this belief, I think the chasm between the real economy and the stock market is about as wide as it's ever been. And that scares me a great deal. Now, doesn't matter right now because it seems to be full speed ahead in terms of the stock market. But at a certain point, Something's got to give. And I think that something that's got to give is going to come in the way of a market correction. And that market correction might come from a number of different reasons. You have a French election coming up in April. You have Fed policy that's changing. You have this debt ceiling that nobody seems to want to talk about in a couple of weeks. So there are a lot of bogeys out there, but nobody wants to pay attention to them right now. Is
0: it? Would you consider that... Uh one of those to be a like a black swan event or is that just like a natural market force that you would that's more that you can anticipate more than
1: yeah you know i i know you know the black swan events i know that's that's become quite popular to try to pick them out and and listen i am not smart enough to tell you (laughs) what the next black swan events by definition almost right because if i were able to tell you it wouldn't be one i think these are just typical market forces at work but one of the things that i've learned along the way is as much as people say they, they crave the truth, they want the truth. The reality is, people don't want the truth. They just want what'll help them uh, get through the day and help them sleep at night. So, you know, I could sit here and tell you all the potential things that could be negative for the economy and for the stock market. Nobody really wants to hear it. You know, they want to hear that there's a lot of unicorns and giraffes and, and rainbows out there, but they, you know they don't want to hear the bad stuff that comes along with it.
0: Right. Uh- Last, last two questions for you guys. thanks for hanging on the line with us um, is, is, is unemployment telling us the real story of unemployment? Is, is there a way we can kind of calculate the underemployment or or uh, or uh, how, how do we sort that out?
1: There is a real number I think it's a u 16 correct me if I'm wrong, but there is a number that um, takes into consideration the true unemployment out there and at its height at its zenith and during the uh, financial crisis. That number is probably in the low twenty percent or so. Hmm. Uh, the re- but the reality is this: the, the unemployment rate in the country right now, I think, is four point eight, four point nine percent, and that's you know that's as close to full employment as I think we're probably going to get. But you have to ask yourself, what type of jobs are those? And that's really that's why I go back to what I was saying before about um, wage gains, and it's why it's stubbornly low. Because, quite frankly. The jobs that folks are getting are not the high quality, high paying jobs that I believe the economy needs to really get on its sort of the afterburners. But is there a real number out there? Absolutely. But you got to sort of parse through some of the noise and try to look at things. And the other thing, don't, you know, you can make numbers look like whatever you want them to look like based upon your dogma. Try to take your personal views out of the equation and look at things through uh, the proper lens.
0: No, I completely agree with that. Whether it's politics or business, I, I mean, I completely agree with that. A uh, last question for you: um, the whole, uh, the latest WikiLeaks drop, uh, a, as it relates to exposing uh, vulner- security vulnerabilities for iPhones and Androids. Uh, do you think that that's going to cause damage to those brands uh, that they're uh, to smartphone or to smart TV makers and whatnot? Oh, and, and, do they need to like pounce on this thing to rehabilitate their image, or is this not a worry for them.
1: I think people are so infatuated by their devices that there's very few things you could say they're going to hurt people in terms of their love and their want for their Apple phones and their smart TVs and all of those things. So, uh, and, and I'll push back one for If you're not doing anything wrong, um, you know, they can spy on me all they want. If they can look at me through my TV or read my text. I mean, if that helps national security and somehow go after it, man, because I know I'm about as boring as can be. I'm always I'm always sort of um, interested in people that want – Well, this is a longer conversation, clearly, but there's a price to pay for safety and for security. And quite frankly, if you're not doing anything wrong, then you really have nothing to worry about. But I know there are going to be people that are throwing things right now at the radio. But, yeah, I was about I to it, say,
0: but, <laughs> sure, it's a but, hot topic. But, but
1: with that said, you know, I mean, that's the you know, that is, listen, I, if, you, if, if there's nothing nefarious going on, you got nothing
0: to worry about, but that's, that's just me. That's true. Uh, well, Guy Adami, thanks so much for for hanging in with us. Sorry about the technical difficulties. We hope you'll come back uh, soon and, and thanks so much.
1: Anytime. You guys rock. Thanks. Have thanks. a great afternoon. Thanks, Guy.
0: That was uh, CNBC's uh, Guy Adami. Cool dude. Uh, and and uh, and very insightful um, we've got uh, general Tata on the line let's uh, let's go ahead and uh, welcome him we've got on the line former Brigadier General Anthony Tata uh, he is a former deputy commanding general of. US forces in Afghanistan and is now a best-selling author of military espionage novels he's going to tell us about his most recent novel called besieged but really is uh, incredible levels of experience in the military, uh, especially as it relates to international issues. So I think we've got him on the line. Let's see if we can connect him. Uh, General General Tata, can you hear us? Uh, General Tata, can you hear us? It's uh, Tata. Oh, Tata. Okay. I apologize about that. Um, yeah, sure thing. Nice to nice to meet you. Thanks for joining us on the Thomas Guide. Great to be with you. Uh, so, I let's let's get right into this. Um, got a bunch of questions for you. Uh, what are what are your thoughts on the WikiLeaks revelations about uh, the different espionage uh, techniques that the that are the U.S. government has been uh, developing? Do, do you believe that that is in fact the case and those documents are accurate?
5: Well, I think it's pretty hard to refute some of the things that uh, have been leaked and uh, the sources that they've come from. And if that's the case, uh, we're looking at a uh, conspiracy uh, on the scale of Watergate and Jagger Hoover like we've never seen before. And uh, the Obama administration has a lot to answer for here and i'm hopeful that as we plow into it that we get some answers because this is a really unconscionable what's what's transpired and uh you know if you know there's this discussion john about the line between security and privacy uh mm-hmm. if, if that line does not exist anymore uh if what we're seeing is true
0: yeah it was it was quite disturbing Um uh, and what's fascinating is that, uh, uh, well, I guess the the questions to me that need to be answered is who knew about this in the last administration? You know, who authorized it? I assume it goes all the way up the food chain, uh, but but I think that's going to be a big conversation topic going forward. Um, shifting gears, General, um, what's your opinion on uh, Trump's plan to increase military spending? Is that necessary? And and if it is how underfunded are we i mean what what does that actually mean in practice
5: well uh, you know what i believe is that uh the plan to increase military spending is a good one as long as it uh, puts as a priority a uh, higher pay for younger uh soldiers sailors airmen and marines so privates and sergeants and lieutenants and captains Uh, Right now, you know, they they sign up and and they sometimes have families and and you want that stability and you want to reward uh, young men and women for serving their country. And so a good portion of that I would like to see uh, go to higher pay for the most effective weapon that we have, which is the young private and sergeant and lieutenant and captain uh, who can uh, run, shoot, move and communicate and and so there's that uh what i don't want to see it go toward is some fancy air force program uh that uh you know tends to suck away all the money and and sure we got to keep up with technology but uh the number two thing i would like to see it go toward is cyber warfare capability Mm -hmm. so increase in pay for uh younger troops and then uh, enhance cyber warfare capabilities uh, to both attack and defend on the cyber uh, battlefield because it's happening every day.
0: And so, do you do you believe that we are behind other countries on that uh, level of capability, or are you advocating just saying we have to stay a step ahead of everybody?
5: Yeah, I, it's one of those things. Uh, like an old command sergeant major used to say to me, "Sir, if." if if we're not ahead, we're we're behind, mm-hmm. and so there's no parity here. You either every day improving and getting ahead and, and counterpunching and punching in the cyber domain, or you're getting punched and counterpunched, and and so it is such a rapidity. Moore's law uh, is you know every eighteen months uh, the the capability of uh, technology will will double. I, I think it's even exponentially increased since then and we don't even know what's going on in the dark web and deep web uh capacity so yeah that's an area that we really need to to uh spend some money
0: what's your opinion on uh president trump sending uh b52s to south korea
5: yeah i think uh that's uh reassuring to an ally uh that just had a ballistic missile fired over it and and uh you know everybody is worried about whether or not uh president trump was going to be uh reassuring to our um uh, asian allies or nato allies you know he's been a heck of a lot more reassuring than president obama has mm-hmm. uh by deploying uh military strength show of force uh and and that's you know show of force is one of our deterrent options when it comes to uh countries such as north korea mm-hmm. And it's, they're called flexible deterrent options, and and show of force B-52s and and B-1s and B-2s, uh, you know whatever uh, you know option the the president chooses. I, I think it's a good one because they have been very aggressive. On Obama's watch, they did like twenty some right. uh, ballistic missile tests and two nuclear tests, and we didn't do anything. And and it's kind of like the Syrian line in the sand. If you use chemical weapons, uh, you're really going to pay. And they used chemical weapons, and we did nothing. And and so, our our foreign policy has been so feckless that uh, you know I'm I'm reassured that we are doing things that uh, put some strength and teeth into what we say we're going to do. We're doing what we say we're going to do, which shockingly is is, is a surprise. Yeah, I,
0: you, you know <laughs> I I it's interesting to hear you say that I I my my position uh, I'm curious to hear what you have to say about this is. President Trump has to retrain both our allies and our enemies as to how how we want to be treated and how to how seriously to take us. Because the last eight years, it's been a, you know, we'll slap you on the wrist, but there's no follow up there. And so President Trump has a task to just retrain people as to how to treat us.
5: Not only that, but our our population at home, uh, we have been. So um, uh, subliminally messaged by the Obama administration that we should be subordinate, should be submissive. Uh, Weaker America makes for a stronger world. We got to remember, Obama went to the Jeremiah Wright school of foreign policy. Uh, The the uh, NFL draft uh, option, the the um, uh, you know last place team gets first choice, and Obama fundamentally believed and still believes that a weaker america is better for the world and and trump has of course a 180 view as do i i believe that a stronger america has made the world better and and sure we're a realist player on geopolitical stage and and we do things that are in our national interests as we should but if we're a democracy and we're a capitalist uh, market country then that is better for the world that we are leading and in every Every se- collective security arrangement needs needs that one hegemonic power that can push it, nudge it in the right direction you know, like the alpha wolf uh mm-hmm. type of scenario and and we are that we should be that for the world
0: um, uh, president trump just announced uh yes, I believe it was yesterday that uh uh john huntsman is is going to be the ambassador the u s ambassador to russia uh, what what do you what do you think of that and and more broadly how big of an issue, how big of a threat is Russia to us, and what should that, what should the U.S. relationship be with them? I mean, should we just not talk to them? Should we try to negotiate with them? What, what would you do?
5: I I, I think, uh, you know, ir- regardless of who the ambassador is, what we have to keep in mind with Russia is that Putin does not like the United States. Putin is a... Uh, a leader of a country whose economy has been basically nearly cut in half by falling oil prices and sanctions from its annexation of Crimea Peninsula, the Crimean Peninsula and, and Ukraine. It, you know, it's somewhere between 40 and 50 percent, I want to say, uh, GDP decrease and, and, and ru- ruble decrease. So um, and it's fluctuated in there. But uh, he he needs sanctions relief. So that's why we're seeing all this um, Russia news is that he's trying to get attention and he's hopeful that he'll get sanctions relief. Which, you know, when when you look at what Russia has done over the last uh, several years, the the murders, uh, the spying, the collection, uh, Crimea, Ukraine, uh, they, they don't deserve any kind of relief. They, they, are, uh, they, they have a geopolitical position in the world that makes them a factor. They lean on, on Europe, they lean on Southwest Asia, and they lean on Asia. And, and so we have to contend with them, but they do not have any uh, values that are aligned with our values, at least their leadership doesn't. And they are not a country with which we should ally in any way, shape, or form.
0: Wow. So, uh, do do you anticipate that President Trump will get tough on Russia, uh, or is it a fair criticism to say that he's been too soft on them at this point?
5: I, I think uh, what he's trying to do is um, uh, figure everything out with regard to a very complicated situation. You got their involvement in Syria. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got their um, alliance with Iran. They're flying jets out of Iran. Uh, you've got uh, them leaning uh, into. Ukraine and the Crimean, Crimean uh, Peninsula, so they can have a warm water port that goes into the Med, and then they're out into the Atlantic. Uh, you have them pushing on top of uh, Korea and uh, and and China, and so uh, it, it's it's a massive country with significant capability. And they, by the way, they have seven thousand nuclear warheads. And so <laughs> we have to be we, we have to, we, to have dance delicate. yeah, we, we, yeah but we have to we have to contend with them and we have to have a relationship with them uh, strictly uh, if for no other reason because of their nuclear um capabilities but also because of their geopolitical positioning and the fact that their their army their military isn't really that effective uh they're more of a threat uh from a black market and and uh a sort of nefarious actor Uh, Kind of role where someone might be trying to sell a nuke or Mm -hmm. sell some capabilities And you know, that's that's the stuff of fiction that you see, but it's probably not too far from reality in some cases
0: Uh, So you have a a new book entitled besieged. Can you just tell us a little bit about that?
5: Yeah, uh, thanks John Uh, uh, besieged is Uh, The third book in the Jake Mahegan series, each book can be read um, standalone. And in Besieged, what we have is Mahegan, the protagonist, has to rescue an 11-year-old girl who is a code-writing autistic savant. And she has written a code that can mimic the swarming of bees and ants and birds, and and, uh, the Iranians have kidnapped her. Because they want this code, because they are controlling a uh, fleet of autonomous vehicles, uh, aerial and uh, ground-based vehicles, that they want to carry out a bunch of attacks. And so, Mahegan has to rescue uh, eleven-year-old Misha Constance, who's autistic, can't communicate well, but she's a genius and has written this code. And uh, before the Iranians can unleash her, her uh, code. on on the East Coast of the United States, and it's already getting great reviews and getting some film interest, and and uh, you know it's. uh, And and do you take? uh, Do you take?
0: So this is fictional, but do you do you take your? I hope it's fictional, (laughs) Uh, but do you take your real world experience? And does that what that empowers you to write a more realistic uh, of of how that process would actually play out if that scenario happened is that is that kind of the the art of what you do
5: yeah you know i've spent a lifetime uh, as a general to a lieutenant and uh, everything in between uh, when i was deployed in different operational theaters of trying to figure out what's the worst thing that can happen to my troops and losing sleep over that and and so now when i'm in the fictional world i say Okay, what's the worst thing that could happen to the United States? Uh what's the worst thing that could happen in small town, uh Virginia, North Carolina, mm-hmm. you know, Colorado, whatever, and wherever the story's taking place, and and I and I uh apply current technology and, and so I asked my question, you know, I was reading up I was Secretary of Transportation for the State of North Carolina, I was doing a lot of study on autonomous cars, and the and the military general in me kicked in and I and said, you know, what's the worst thing that could happen uh, with autonomous cars? Well, how about if somebody put some artillery shells in the trunk of every one, and then uh, they could all converge on one place at one time, and oh. and so that that's sort of an underlying uh, premise of um, the the story of Besieged, and and it's Misha Constance's code that uh, actually enables. Uh, these vehicles to communicate as if you know they're driverless and they're autonomous, and so they are moving around the country and converging on specific targets. And it's really um, an interesting concept and one that I do not believe is too far removed from reality.
0: Wow. Well, uh, it's out now, um, right? And and how can how can we find it? Can we get it on Amazon? Uh...
5: Yeah, it's, okay. it's uh, at, at Barnes and Noble. Perfect. brick and Mortar books a million anywhere books are sold. And then on Amazon, Barnes and com, And then my website is AJ Tata, AJ com, And, uh, I've got all the books, uh, there that, um, you can, you can just click on them and they take you to one of the pages. Ge- so General uh, General a, Tata. And, thank,
0: thank you so much for joining us. Sorry. I have to cut this, this short, uh, but, uh, We'll, we'll definitely have you back. We wish you best of luck with your new book, uh, Besieged, and thank you so much for your, for your advice. Uh, yeah, thanks. Now for a little more lighthearted stuff. Uh, there, there was a, a five-year-old Spelling Bee contestant that I'm pretty sure is smarter than all of us here. Um, let's go ahead and roll the clip. Sivruga, will you please give me the definition?
4: Sivruga is a light to dark gray caviar from a
0: sturgeon of a genus found in the Caspian Sea that has very small roe.
4: Sivruga, will you please give me the part of speech? <coughs> it's a noun. Sevruga as... E V R U G A Sabruga. Correct.
0: So what a <laughs> I think producer Jenny Lee's mic's off. Can we get can we get that on?
4: <laughs> I didn't even know what a was, to be uh, fair. Did you know what it was? No! <laughs> <laughs>
0: She's like, the Caspian Sea. Hmm. I know the Caspian
4: Sea is the largest inland locked lake sea in the world. So it's the largest sea completely surrounded by land.
0: Okay, but what's but a... But I didn't know. <laughs> what's a sabruca? So what a... a fish
4: that lives in the Caspian
0: Sea. Yeah, so, so this young girl at five years old be- beat out 53 other contestants uh, that are between the age of five and 14 years old. She beat them all um spelling the winning word of oh god i can't i don't even know how to pronounce it yana yana it's g n a n a uh which comes from sans uh sanskrit sanskrit sk- oh oh sanskrit like the like the writing
4: mm-hmm. yeah
0: i guess it means knowledge in indian philosophy how in the world so typically as a kid the kids who read the most had the best vocabularies. That's typically it. So I'm wondering, is she just, an is she a prolific reader?
4: There must be a part of it though. When you hear the word, that you can just break it down. Well, it's phonetic, yeah. yeah.
0: To some degree, but some words aren't phonetic.
4: Janana, I think that's how you pronounce it. <laughs> but still, it's not very. It's not a typically yeah. English word, is it?
0: So you're going to challenge me to a spelling bee in a moment, but but let's get through this uh, this last story. <laughs> uh, so uh, a woman made a burrito wrapper dress because she desperately wants to be married at a Taco Bell. Yeah, that is a dress made up of what chalupa wrappers. I don't know what what it what it's made of. Uh, and she had this to say on her Instagram. She said, "This is Lindsay Ellison." She said. It's time to spill the beans. We have been engaged for four years and together for 10. Taco Bell has been there for year, throughout the years, uh, from the after-school runs. I don't want to hear about the after-school runs. <laughs> to late meals, after work, or a night of partying. Our love for each other is as cheesy as a quesadilla. We're nachos, getting married. It's going to be a Las Vegas taco over. Let us celebrate our love at the Taco Bell Chapel in Vegas, because we are ready to guac and roll.
4: Amazing. I want to get married at the Taco Bell Chapel in Vegas. That sounds amazing. I didn't know there
0: was a Taco Bell (laughs) Chapel. I
4: still haven't had Taco Bell. Still haven't done it.
0: You know, you're not really missing anything. Uh, I'm going to do it tonight. Roy G, what are your thoughts? Especially around the L.A. area, Mexican food is so
4: cheap. You might as well just go like the real yeah. Go to the
0: go to the taco stand or something. You know where they make fresh tortillas. I feel like I
4: should try it.
0: Yeah, well, it's something you got to do. I kind of, my opinion, I like it better than like Del Taco or anything. Oh, oh, no, no question. All right, Del Taco is disgusting. All right. not that Taco Bell's great. You know, Taco Bell has some really interesting non-Mexican related dishes. First of all, have you had the Choco Taco, Roy G? No, I haven't actually. Choco Taco is delicious.
4: <laughs> Your face, the Choco oh, Taco. Oh yeah, it's
0: the thing you do in college. Where you're like, I'll take three Choco... This is like at four in the morning. <laughs> three Choco Tacos. Yeah, I used to go
4: to McDonald's in New York. Those late night stops just stare at the menu Days. Yeah, <laughs> see, we
0: wouldn't, yeah. The, Taco Bell, I feel badly for the guys who work the drive through aisle at like 2 in the morning because it's all people just sleep-deprived, stoned, drunk. Anyway, uh, all right, what do you got for me?
4: Okay, you ready? Yeah. Okay. That's, I tried to pick the hardest ones oh God. I could possibly come across. I'm scared. So... I'm still looking for the hardest ones. Let's start with this word, triptych. And I'll give you the definition. It's an art consisting of a painting of three
0: panels.
4: Triptych.
0: An art piece consisting yep. of three panels. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. All right. Uh,
4: Lots of artists have done them. You go
0: to our May galleries. may. Can you repronounce the word? Triptych. Triptych. All right. Triptych. T R I. P-T-I-C-H?
4: Close. It's T-Y-C-H. That was pretty they good, get though. You those. That was All right. good. Let's Next. Do, let's do another one. Let's do ophthalmology.
0: <laughs> well, I know it's ophthalmology, right? Uh, so I think that is t h o m o. L O G Y?
4: No, no. O P H. It's got an extra H there. Then it's T H A L M O L O G Y. Branch of medicine dealing with yeah, ophthalmo- the anatomy of the eye.
0: Yeah, ophthalmology. I have an ophthalmologist. Can't spell it though, can you? Nope. <laughs> nope, clearly not. These are the the type of words that you need to actually train for, you know. Yeah. Thank <laughs> you, Roy G. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. Yeah, your practice. <laughs> you know, uh You don't have all right, all right. Do you have anything else for me?
4: Okay, we'll do pharaoh. Pharaoh.
0: Pharaoh. Pharaoh, like, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. like a pharaoh. I love how you like, have to translate. Th- like thank pharaoh, you. See, like... I'm at a disadvantage. Your accent <laughs> you throws to, it all off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, I have to decrypt <laughs> it to American. And then. <laughs> what came first? <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, true. Uh, uh, it's like pharaoh, about... like Egypt. Like... Oh, 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 not like feral dog. No, no, no like. No. Pharaoh, like. Feral. uh Okay, like, and not Pharrell. No, no. no. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, pharaoh. Uh. P-H-A-R-R-O-H?
4: Nope. One R? Nope. It's P-H-A-R-A-O-H. God! (laughs) I'm the worst. You need to go back to school. (laughs) Uh,
0: I'm not educated at all. All right. Do you have one more for me?
4: Yeah, let's do one more. Let's do... Psoriasis, which is that? Sure, type.
0: the skin, the skin, uh, uh, flaky skin. Yeah. See, I know what most of these things are, but uh, all right, psoriasis. She's setting you up to fail over this one. <laughs> <laughs> I could see it. Uh, yeah, you know why can't you ask me something like Mississippi <laughs> right, or right. or guacamole? I
4: literally, you know? I went through all of these. Like, damn, which ones? All the right, the all right,
0: psoriasis. Now, am I allowed to write it out and then read it? Nope. Is that See, the
4: spelling bee.
0: Well, I don't know.
4: The five year old didn't get to write it right out. Okay.
0: Uh psoriasis. P S. O R.
4: So far so good.
0: <laughs> Can I stop now? <laughs> hold on, hold on. P S O R. A R O S No.
4: It's P-S-O-R-I-A-S i s
0: i yes of course R-I-A-tist. I guarantee see, here's the thing if I had written that out I would have nailed it because I've seen the word so many times
4: that's not right, the right. name of the game though yeah so here
0: here's the problem reggie I'm a visual person not really an auditory person right so if I want to like remember it I need to hear it see it and it's like it's like burned in, and I can like fake my way through it. Do you ever write a word down? And you're like, wow, that looks like it's spelled wrong because you never really pay attention yes, to spelling it. Yes, I have, then but then I I I'll never, right. but then I'll never forget it. because yeah, yeah. I've seen it. Right. And like the thing is, I'm always battling with autocorrect on my phone because it's it's screwing things up. Mm-hmm. But apparently, I'm a terrible speller after all. <laughs> well, thank you for the challenge. Don't I, forget,
4: we've got our teaser for next week. Peaches.
0: Oh God! Oh yes. Okay. Jeez. There it is. Thank you. I almost forgot. Yeah. So we got some pretty big news here at the Thomas Guide. Uh, I will be a dog father very soon. Uh, Peaches is on her way from Iowa. She's going to be coming in. Let's see. Two weeks. We'll have a. We'll have a little uh, ticker. She is as of today ten pounds. Peaches is a greater Swiss mountain dog, which is, for if you don't know what a greater Swiss is, it is half Bernese. Uh, well, it is the short-haired version of the Bernese, and it is that, uh, well, a Bernese is half um, Rottweiler and half Mastiff. Uh, this is a big pup, okay? The females range from 90 to 125 pounds, The males are closer to 135 to 150 pounds. Um, They're supposed to be sweethearts. They love to pull. That's what they do. So I'm hoping, you know, when she grows up, she can pull me in a cart, pull me around town. Um, Anyway, Peaches is on her way. And let me tell you just like, I've been hunting for a dog for a year now. Uh, It was a labyrinth of a process to get... The problem with this particular breed is... There are only 400 greater Swiss mountain dogs a year in the United States that are born. That's it, 400. And so it's, it's hard to track them down. Typically with these kinds of breeds, you have to reserve them like six months in advance. You have to reserve them way before the mom's ever pregnant. You have to match up with a breeder. Then they, it's like you fill out these questionnaires. Jenny Lee, have you ever seen these things?
4: I haven't. Oh, yeah,
0: uh, yeah. But I can imagine it. Yeah, so you, like... you fill out, you know, questionnaires. And with something like this, I mean, look, it's a big dog. And if you don't know how to handle big dogs, it can bite people um, and just be, make your life miserable. Uh, so the breeders really grill you. You fill out this long questionnaire, and then they want to know, like, what's your experience in handling big dogs? Luckily, I grew up with Rottweilers and Dobermans, so I'm set. I'm good to go. Um, and the bigger the dog, the better for me, actually. I, I, don't, I actually am terrible with little dogs. I don't know what to do with them. Like, I'm always worried about stepping on them because I always step on my dog. Have you stepped on a dog? I haven't, no. Roger, have you ever yeah, stepped it's on always, It's always in oh, the it's wrong place. You, the oh wrong yeah, time. oh yeah, You it's no, terrible. that's the
4: lie, that you get their foot and they squeak, don't
0: they? Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's terrible. <laughs> and you feel like you broke Oh yeah, you 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 you're like, oh there. geez, I've done it now. <laughs> I've stepped on like, oh my family is a Rottweiler. I've stepped on Sammy's feet so many times and I'm talking not like a gentle step either. I'm talking like you hear it go crunch. And she goes like, ow. (laughs) I just like, here's the thing. A friend of mine had a little Yorkie that was debarked, Mm -hmm. and the Yorkie would always be at the front door when she would come home. Um, And one day, I guess she was walking with groceries, didn't realize that Enzo, the Yorkie, was right there, and she walked, stepped on its paw, broke its leg in half.
4: Oh, God. Horrendous. Talk about
0: feeling terribly with these dogs, they're so big. I don't know
4: how we got sidetracked with I, I, your beautiful little uh, well, dog. I don't coming. know,
0: but but well, right now she's a whopping ten pounds. So uh she won't be small for long. But but anyway, what we're gonna do is uh I will give you an update next week as to how Peaches is doing. I'm guessing she may be thirteen pounds by next week. Um but uh, and of course when she arrives, we'll share her with all of you. She's gonna be an exceptional puppy. I'm very Mm -hmm. excited to be a dog father.
4: We'll let you know how the name originated too next
0: week. Oh yeah. There's a, there's a story behind the name and I think you guys out of everyone will appreciate the name. So um, thanks so much for, for tuning into the show. Uh, It's been uh, another fun episode of the Thomas guy. We'll catch you next week, Thursday at one o'clock. Thanks so much
5: this has been the thomas guide with
1: john thomas we hope you've enjoyed the ride join us thursdays at one on facebook live tweet john at the thomas guide find us on itunes and subscribe or you can go to kfi keyword the thomas guide